Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Brought to you by Leaving in the Ring. All boxing. No filter. Don't forget, we're, we're live every Monday night on YouTube and Blog Talk. Oh! That's another knockdown! He's not getting up, Jim! He's not getting up, Jim! He's not getting up! No, he's been knocked out! It's over! Mamma mia! He's done it! Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko! AJ does it in style! Beaten down, hopeless, without an answer, and Lomachenko has made Rigondeaux quit! It's Fisgianato's Evan Rutkowski. He's a good boy, you know. Hello, fight fans. It is Friday, April 24th, and this is the Fisgianato's podcast on the Leave It in the Ring radio network. I'm your host, Evan Murkowski, former HBO sports marketing executive, giving you my take on what's happening in the sport of boxing on your screen and behind the scenes. Email me at fistinados at yahoo.com. Follow me on Twitter at fistinados pod. We are brought to you by Ring Magazine and ringtv.com, who has been putting out some great content uh, recently during this virus. Continuing in the theme of last episode, for the review section, I will obviously not be reviewing fights. I'll be highlighting local businesses that are alive during this virus that people should support. So last week was Mendocino Farms and Jalopy Wines. Uh, and by the way, I'm not getting paid for this. I'm just trying to support small businesses either that I like or you know, this time it'll be someone who emailed me something. I'll get into it right now. It's another one I like. First off, uh, Jitlada Thai Food. This is one of my favorite restaurants in L.A., if not my favorite restaurant, period. I've actually traveled to Thailand at one point in my life for a couple weeks, and this is better than any Thai food I had there. Uh, I've loved it for a while. It's one of the places, if you're a big food fan, that Jonathan Gold put on the map when he was one of the top food writers in the country. I used to live very close by it. I don't now. Uh, But we were on a drive, and we stopped there and just ordered a ton of food, and it was awesome. Uh, I highly recommend anyone getting takeout from there. And I think just in general, remember during this pandemic, if there is a restaurant that you particularly like in your home area, please order from it because it will go out of business if you don't do that. And then you will no longer have the wonderful experience of going to that restaurant. Um, Another small business that I want to put out there is Contenders Clothing. I know at least one, maybe a couple of their employees are you know, listeners of my podcast, um, and they're part of the boxing community. We've emailed a couple times before. Um, they are doing a cool thing where 10% of all sales at contendersclothing.com during the month of April and 100% of sales from the new Going the Social Distance t-shirt will be paid directly to unemployed fighters. Fighters are welcome to sign up for the Fight for Fighters Fund at contendersclothing.com to receive a direct payment in the first week of May. So if you are interested in in supporting, they have uh, Muhammad Ali and Rocky boxer brief and t-shirts, but uh, this is for a great cause. Check it out, contendersclothing.com. And actually, we can actually talk about ratings here specifically for two different events. Let's, first of all, let's just talk about what happened this past Saturday, the 18th, shout out to ESPN for putting this on. They started, they did a marathon of boxing, older boxing fights, classic, just classic fights. Uh, it started at noon Eastern with Ali Foreman, which drew 342,000 viewers. And I think in general, I'm not going to go through every single one of <clears throat> I'm not going to go through every single one of them here, excuse me. But in general, they all sort of gradually increased to the point where Ali Frazier three 
did 699,000 viewers at 10 p.m. Eastern. Um, most ran like the 450k viewer range, which isn't bad at all. Those are pretty solid numbers considering every one of those fights happened, you know, about at least 20 years ago. You know, maybe, maybe uh, you know, maybe one of them was just under that, but you know, one of them was even 50 years ago. Well, you know, over 50 years ago, like. This was all in place of what was supposed to be UFC 249, which got postponed under rather dramatic circumstances uh, and, and appears to be rescheduled for May 9th. I talked about this a little bit last episode. Tom Hauser wrote a really thorough piece on it for Boxing Scene, which I encourage everyone to read. Um, you know, the UFC is marching forward, and, and I think... I was saying it last episode, I thought mid-April, given what's happening in the world, was extremely aggressive. Probably not what you should be doing. But, you know, and apparently it took Governor Newsom and Senator Feinstein to call ESPN to put pressure on them um, and and let the UFC know that that they can't do this. And and also the MMA media uh, has been all over this issue, you know, uh, ridiculing the UFC for this. And... You know, I, I look mid-April, extremely aggressive, and I, and I personally wouldn't have tried to do anything like that. But you know, for the boxing promoters that aren't, you know, that that are talking about not going until mid to late June and July. <clears throat> it, it, I mean, here's what I'd say: that you know, baseball is talking about starting spring training in May. The NFL draft happened last night and is going to happen again tonight. I mean, that's not an actual sporting event, but you kind of get my drift. I mean, I think it's an incredibly valid argument to say that any boxing or MMA fight that requires medical resources in a part of the country that can't spare them, like that's reckless at best. And you can make a strong argument that that's much worse than that. I probably would. If you do it in the wrong area of the country right now, I mean, you're it's it's potentially deadly. I mean, it's just it's just really not responsible at all. You know, a, a lot of people in boxing have been vocal about it. I totally agree. Um you know, however, I do think that there is uh, this political argument that I don't I, – I, I kind of agree with but don't totally agree with. I mean I think, you know, you can't – live sports in a controlled environment, especially individual sports, th- like these are things that can't happen. And I think this is a good thing. Um and, and I just want to, you know, our our economy, like, just it can't be work from home. You know, that works for certain industries, but it doesn't work for live sports. And I mean, live sports, like th- these are these are blue collar and white collar jobs where you physically need to be somewhere, and these need to start back up again. And I don't think they need to start right now. Not you know, not in April, but I think. Being aggressive on this issue, someone needs to do it. And and I think part of me is just kind of like, yeah, I think I'm I'm kind of happy the UFC is doing it. I mean, yes, I'm aware that my former place of employment, WME, is facing a huge fiscal deficit and they want the UFC events to happen because that's great cash flow and it might prevent them from taking on a ton of debt um, or a ton more debt. They already have a ton. That's why they're in bad shape. You know, that is clearly part of the reason why they were pushing so hard. I also just think that – and this doesn't – this part of the narrative doesn't get set enough. I, I think the UFC are just trying to go and move forward because people are saying it can't be done and they want to be first. And that's like part of their credo and that's part of how they built their company. Um, you know, and my take is as long as they aren't taking away medical resources, good for them. They're going to provide other sports uh, valuable insight into how this is going to happen and – you know, we'll see them probably screw up a few times and we'll see them, you know, and maybe not from a standpoint of someone gets infected, but just how live sports are going to get broadcast um, and how it can be done efficiently and effectively. And if boxing starts up a month or five or six weeks after that, you can learn some of those important lessons. And, and then I think we're ready to go. So I, I don't think anyone's being too irresponsible here. I do think, you know, May 9th is still aggressive in my opinion, but I think it is, I'm I'm ready to watch it basically. So I understand there's going to be a lot of issues, um, but I'm ready for it. You know, that's, that's me personally. Uh, (laughs) I'm also living in a, in a 
relatively small space with an eight month old and an almost four year old. Um, so maybe that's just me because of my living situation. I don't know, but it was awesome just to watch the NFL draft last night. I mean, I'm a big NFL fan, so I watched it and, and it just felt relatively normal. Um, you know, and I think other sports will learn from this. So I think, I don't want to get into the politics of this because it's not really what I'm, I'm trying to do with this show, but I do think there is a responsible way to take the right precautions, not you, not take away medical resources, uh, from other places, test. I've talked a lot about it on this show. I've been pretty consistent from the beginning, how important testing is, um, but I think if, if those things sort of fall into place, I think there is a way to get back very soon, and I'm very excited for it. Um, and on that note, let's go into the deep dive. I'm just going to go straight into what each network should be doing right now, how they're going to look at boxing, the challenges they face with the coronavirus, all that stuff. I talked a decent bit about it, Fox and ESPN last time, but I'll get into greater detail as we go on. Let's start with DAZN and Showtime. Um, I'm going to group them together because both of these networks have an opportunity here to spring forward. I will give a quick, <clears throat> excuse me, overview of each network at the top. Remember here though, um, one of the things that every single network faces here isn't actually dealing, you know, with the financial part of the promoter losing the gate. And I think that's something, you know, maybe next episode I've thought about this cause I got actually a couple of good questions when I put out that I was going to record, you know, tonight or this morning, I'm, I'm recording Friday morning. I might go into next episode, maybe what some of the permanent or at least um, relatively long-term changes are going to be in the sport, or at least what I think they'll be. Um, but right now I'm just going to focus on the networks because this is even, this is like for having no fights this is, I think this is going to be a pretty long episode. Uh, and I actually don't think I'm even going to go into all of them as deep as I could. So, but remember here, networks don't care about the gate. They care how it looks on TV. Um, and a lot of people, there's been a lot of great, you know, Bob Arum was on the athletics podcast and has done a couple interviews at places. Boxing scene has had a couple good articles on all this, Yeah, you know, ring TV's covered. A lot of the boxing places have covered this pretty well where they've gotten some good insight into what are some of the issues promoters face and, and how, you know, fighters are going to have to take pay cuts and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not going to, maybe I'll do that next time. I, this time it's just literally what the networks do. So let's jump in with DAZN. So DAZN member subscription business, very soon they will be in the worldwide subscription business. Uh, they don't do <clears throat> really much anything else besides live sports um, and that's been one of the key issues that they face in terms of ramifications from this virus. I mean, for the most part, DAZN has not built strong relationships with other distributors, which could have helped it out. Um, yeah, you know, I talked about a little bit here on this podcast a while ago about the Comcast deal they did, you know, which was a great step in the right direction. But when you look at Showtime, you'll see a big contrast here based on their distributor uh, relationships. So DAZN has been hit very hard by this. I mean, probably the hardest out of any network that has anything to do with sports, period. Obviously, in terms of boxing, it's been hit the hardest. Like, we saw early on, you know, they announced they'd furlough a large chunk of their employees, which, I mean, that's not a layoff, but that isn't great news at all. John Skipper actually got the virus and recovered it, but that's pretty scary when, the you know, one of the main leaders of your company actually contracts the virus. <clears throat> I actually thought Matchroom would have been one, you know, the more aggressive promotional companies out there in terms of coming back and that they'd have a lot of fights on the air in June. Um, and a lot of, you know, and, and clearly behind the scenes, they've tried to do that. But a lot of boxing insiders have, have, you know, they heard rumblings early on that this would be the case. And it really doesn't feel like that's going to be the case. And I, I, that to me feels like it's more coming from the zone. Um, that there's just going to sort of be some kind of relaunch in July, um, you know, sort of soft at first, but it sounds like Canelo probably won't be fighting BJ Saunders and he'll just go straight into 
you know, the third Triple G fight in September, but maybe not in September, maybe somewhere else in the fall. So maybe he will do, you know, we, th there's a lot of the stuff that we don't know. Like maybe we can get an Anthony Joshua fight in July or August. Remember, AJ is supposed to fight Kubra Pulev in June. Uh, the good news here is that AJ has said that he is open to fighting in a studio setting. And, you know, basically for DAZN, I just can't stress enough how important it is to get just one of these big fights happening ASAP. And let's take a second and break down why. I mean, supposedly DAZN was in that 1 million subscriber range in the United States after the Canelo fight in November and the AJ Ruiz fight in December. Um, they didn't exactly start off the year great, which probably cost them a little bit of subs. They did have a really nice fight with Mikey Garcia in February, but you know, beyond that, they they were going to make their really strong one run in terms of fights start like mid-April, and then they just had a, a pretty impressive run lined up through June, basically. Um, you know, so and they they did this last year, so <clears throat> you know, sort of starting with that pro great hooker fight. Going through May, and they just had a list of, of you know, it's Canelo and Usyk and all the, you know, a, a, a bunch of really strong fights uh, through June 20th. Even though AJ is still on Sky Sports, I mean, Canelo fighting BJ Saunders would have launched the Worldwide app. They would have expected major subscriber numbers in key markets in May from the Canelo fight, you know, including the UK. I'm sure that's why Saunders was one of the people considered for the fight. And instead of having that kind of run, now not only is the worldwide launch being delayed with a lot of lost time and, and you know, no major events, like they've, in my opinion, they kind of actually reacted slowly to this and probably lost a ton of subscribers in the process. And anecdotally, I'm actually not a DAZN subscriber right now. After the Mikey Garcia fight, I was doing my taxes from the year before and saw that I was still on the initial $9.99 a month plan. And I was like, hey, especially after that Garcia fight, I'll just switch over to the 99 yearly sub rather than do the monthly thing. Like, you guys have earned it. You deserve it. And I saved 20 bucks. Great. I'll do it. And in, in this, like, weird twist, it was actually really difficult to switch to the yearly sub right away. So I just canceled it um, and was planning on buying a yearly sub once I couldn't watch anymore because I still technically had two or three weeks left on the month that I was currently on. And now I'm waiting to sign up for that yearly subscription that, you know, because uh, I am not going to subscribe until there's live programming again. And I actually think DAZN took, you know, they probably took too long in terms of communicating to their subscribers that they could hit pause. Um, that probably contributed to losing some subs. I've heard they've lost a couple hundred thousand. Who knows if that's true or not? I would imagine it's true. You know, they could have even lost half their subs. I mean, if, if that's true, if I was them, I would be aggressively just trying to get fights back on TV. You know, people like me would immediately sign back up. I would sign up right for the yearly pass the second they put on a live fight. And that's what I plan on doing. And I think you need those subscriber numbers to start coming back before you even get to the really big fights that, that, and, and that's when you would launch worldwide. I would also personally give a several month extension to those who signed up for the yearly subscription plan. I, I don't think they've done that. I don't know. Um, cause now there's a multi-month delay and as to when we'll see live sports, you know, they need to recover these subs and keep the other subscribers happy, <coughs> you know, because as I outlined in my last fight, like, you know, any of the big fights, there's just a huge question, you know, as to where whether you can get gate from them in the coming months. So can you make these big fights? And I mean, for everybody else, it's really more of a promoter issue than a network issue, and we'll get into why. Um, but not if you're to zone. This pandemic couldn't have come at a worse time, you know. And in addition to being uh, late on reacting to consumers and giving them a chance to pause their accounts or giving them an extension if they're on a yearly. You know, DAZN was the first network out of the gate to say that they wouldn't be paying license fees to their content providers until they actually come back and start playing games. You know, I'm sure other networks may have eventually taken that stance, and they may be negotiating uh, for reduced rights fees or something like that. You know, but that's pretty much an absolute last resort, and you would never say it publicly. 
you know, DAZN was on a very tight timeline without the virus, um, but that's been exacerbated and the stakes have been raised for the second half of 2020. You know, Len Bovonic might be a rich billionaire who's, I think, I think he owns Warner Music and he's probably made a ton of money on that. So don't feel bad for him, but he doesn't have an open checkbook for this anymore. Um, you already started to see at the beginning of 2020, some of, of the price, you know, the, the prices that the zone was paying fighters coming down. And that was before this pandemic. And I mean, Look, right now, it's the future of DAZN that's at stake. Like, this is a global issue for them, and it isn't just boxing-related. Like, they need sports in general to return so they can recover their sub-numbers worldwide. That means Japanese soccer and baseball. That means, you know, all the soccer rights and, and, and essentially the their business model of having all these foreign rights. Like, they don't have the English Premier League in England, but they have it in other countries. They don't have the NFL in the United States. They have it in other countries. Um, you know, the... They need to come back and recover, first of all, just recover what they've lost in terms of subs. And I think they can do that probably fairly quickly and hopefully easy for them. Um, but then continue to expand worldwide and work through those issues, too, because there's going to be a lot of issues coming up from that. You know, I don't know what it is. I think most people I've talked to think they have a nine to 12 month window after live sports return to do that. You know, not just in boxing, but in all sports. And, you know, the fear here is, at least for boxing, is that the zone, if this thing with boxing doesn't work worldwide for them, they have a lot less of a leash to give boxing a chance. Like, this is a shortened window now to make this going global plan work. Um, and if it doesn't work in this shortened window... Uh, they will have to look at what their healthiest businesses are and probably choose to focus on them. And that may or may not involve boxing, at least boxing on the level that we're used to seeing in the United States right now from them. You know, there, there would be major consequences for that. But, if, you know, the bottom line here is if you're an exec at the zone, you need to push for the biggest events to happen, gate or no gate, and as quickly as possible, and as many of them as possible. You you know, if, if you really have a 12-month window to show major signs uh, to continue this, then, or, or at least continue it at the level that you're doing it right now, you want AJ to fight three times next year. Like, ideally once, you know, against Fury or Wilder. And probably Fury's more likely at this point, but it doesn't matter to a certain extent. You, you need him fighting in a fight where your worldwide subs in every place that you have AJ's rights will encourage people to sign up. You want the same thing from Canelo three times with once being the triple G fight. You want at least one or two other major boxing events where you can legitimately say you gave worldwide boxing a real shot coronavirus or not, you know, given the marketplace, you do have some competitive advantages. I mean, first of all, one of your competitive advantages is that you don't need to worry about the economics of pay-per-view on an event-by-event -event basis, whereas other promoters do. So you can take advantage of a marketplace that will see depressed gates and try and make some of these bigger fights. You might be the only place that's putting them on. I doubt that'll be the case, but you might be. At least the really biggest ones. You know, you've heard, we've heard from other promoters that they're, you know, they're not going to miss if they can wait for a huge gate. They'll wait. That's what they'll do. And a lot of this also comes down to the fighters. It's how much of a haircut do you want to take? Like, do do you want to move your your career forward, gate or no gate? Especially if it's a smaller pay per view or even a bigger pay per view. You know, DAZN doesn't have to worry about that. It's just you know we're going to pay you know. Bigger money than you get anywhere else. Make the fight. Gate or no gate. We don't care. We need the worldwide subs. You have Canelo and AJ under contract, which is another huge advantage. And you can finally, you know, focus on other fighters with worldwide appeal that, that may get you good subscription numbers, you know, for good value prices. And this is actually another interesting advantage. Like, you can make fights with fighters that don't necessarily move the needle in the United States, but might move the needle in other places around the world for subscribers 
Um, and if you make those fights, you might get, a, you know, really good subscription numbers in other parts of the world with something that you won't have to pay a ton of money for. That's a big competitive advantage. Your disadvantage here is that in addition to losing time at a critical point in your company's development, you also lost a huge subbase that, you know, at the time wasn't good enough. So you'll need to rebuild that. So that's what DAZN is facing right now. Just if I were them, just start making fights, recover what you lost in the United States, and then just you got to make the biggest fights possible. The gate has got to be put on the side burner. You got to make them. Showtime's next on the list. <clears throat> in their fundamentals, the important thing to note is Showtime is a pay cable network, but has a very diversified set of programming where boxing is not the driver of success, but a complementary piece where there is a lot of evergreen programming. They probably didn't take a huge hit, if any at all, in terms of subscriber numbers. And remember, they have a pretty positive relationship with all the MSOs. And a great example of that is also anecdotally to me. I'm both a cable subscriber as part of my HOAs where I live, uh, but I also subscribe to a lot of streaming services. And Spectrum, which is my cable provider, it just gave all their subscribers showtime for free during the pandemic. And, you know, I... I said this last episode, but, you know, as we expound on this, like Showtime has a clear pathway to becoming the top boxing programmer in 2020. Um, and I, th I think it's very real. I think, I think that can happen for them. I mean, I'll get to this with ESPN and Fox, but you know, there's a really good chance that even if ratings for live TV sports go up, like they'll have a big problem selling ads and that can get exacerbated with some of the bigger at risk programming they have. But Showtime, on the other hand, you know, if it's anything like HBO, uh, and Kurt Emhoff actually interviewed Stephen Espinosa on this. It's a great interview. I highly recommend everybody listen to it. And Kurt actually asked him this, you know, will they get to keep their entire budget for 2020? Um, because if it's anything like HBO, HBO was use it or lose it, which means, you know, they might have 12 months of a budget for seven or eight months of actual programming. And I think it's really key because they have the option of spending more money on each event and making it a stronger series of events within the PBC universe, or they have the option of just putting live boxing on two or three weekends a month, or maybe even during the week. Once, you know, when this thing starts back up, they also have the luxury of not having any Saturday night dates being up for grabs to other sports because boxing is the top sport at their network. In addition to that, they probably also enjoy not being in a budget crunch like the other networks are or could possibly be in related to the coronavirus. I mean, obviously, given the corporate merger they're going through, there are some serious larger questions for the company which could affect their budget. There's no question about that. Um, but in general, you know, the virus probably affects them the least in terms of the impact on their company and, and their, you know, sports group. Um, it might even set them up for one of those sort of great runs they had, like, you know, week in, week out. Like, this, that's kind of what they did at the beginning of 2018. And, and um, I think even if you look at the pay-per-views they were looking at making, like, they you start to see what could line up as a model of success. And remember, <clears throat> and I'll talk about this a little bit with pilot season, which who would have imagined pilot season would have ever come in effective boxing, but the the TV shows, that issue for regular TV shows, and Showtime's going to experience this. And by the way, all the streaming networks that you're watching right now who are coming out with new programming right now and, and places like Netflix seem awesome, six months from now, they're not going to have any new programming. And and that's going to start, I mean, maybe it's even five months from now, but the 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 produced television show world is going to face this issue just it's going to face it six months from now, uh, where there's going to be nothing new and nothing new for a while. Um, whereas sports will be go, you know, likely going by that point and probably going, if not strong, like going, going fairly regularly. <clears throat> so, you know, Showtime could fill that gap a little bit. I don't think they would put Showtime boxing on Sunday nights, but at least it's something that you could point to that's, that's current programming, um, when some of their other series might not be going, but obviously they have the library of series. So tangent aside, let's first dive deeper into live boxing on the network. They share PBC with Fox. 
Fox last year made a point of publicly saying they had the prime slot with PBC. Uh, but given the uncertainties that team sports face in the fall, as I've previously gone over on this podcast, like we don't know whether or not Fox is going to be over-reliant on boxing or whether boxing will be lucky to get all of its contractual dates on the network this year. I mean, it really depends on whether the NFL can start as scheduled, um, whether Major League Baseball can pull off their very ambitious plan you know, to have Saturday nights through most of the summer on Fox, and then whether college football happens in the way we know it, because that would dominate much of Saturday afternoons and evenings for Fox, and I'll go into more detail with Fox next, but you, know, you have to assume there's a lot of uncertainty and showtime offers certainty showtime on the other hand like they you know like i said all their production all their other shows have stopped like you know boxing could fill in gaps for them and 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 be the thing the main thing that they're doing right now yeah and if you're pbc this could be a godsend for you in terms of your relationship with showtime they basically might have a budget that is not reduced you might face a reduced budget from Fox or at least reduced dates. And if you deliver them some unification fights, you know, with the normal budget at a time when fighter pay will likely go down, <clears throat> you, know, you might get a lot of big PBC fights on regular TV for Showtime. And as I mentioned above, like pay-per-view fights might break your way too because the ones you're looking at weren't going to be over-reliant on gate. I mean, Tank Davis and Leo Santa Cruz They've been talking about that one, one or two different versions of Clarissa Shields. I mean, those fights, the gate would be good and important, but not great. Like Davis Santa Cruz, if that's in the $2 million gate range, that's tough to leave on the table. But at the same time, if you could do two hundred fifty or 300000 pay-per-view buys, then both fighters should be able to clear like three or $4 million purses. And, you know, perhaps even more, perhaps as much as five. And... That's much more than they'd make fighting on regular Showtime or Fox against lesser opponents. And it's also, we don't even know, that's an, it's not just their normal purses. Their normal purses might be cut by a huge percentage and likely would. So if they want a bigger payday, this could be it. Like this, that, that might be great for them. I mean, the other great part about what Showtime do is they, they, they can leverage the notion that they aren't waiting on Major League Baseball or college football and just start making decisions. Like, they can offer updates three or four months out, have no issues waiting around to see if the, if the college football game they really want is going to happen or if the baseball playoffs are going to happen on a certain date. You know, they just offer up the date, plant their flag, and offer PBC certainty and, and you know, for a pretty good price, they get a great fight. Like... <clears throat> They're basically they're in a position where everybody involved can take the bird in the hand and they offer certainty in a very uncertain world. And the X factor for Showtime that I've mentioned before on the show is what does Floyd Mayweather do? And before the pandemic hits uh, hit, there were rumblings that he wanted to fight once or maybe even twice in 2020. Uh, who knows what that means? Because Floyd, I'm sure, will want to cash in on a gate if he fights. And I, you know. I don't think it's crazy to think that he'd fight towards the end of the year or sometime in 2021, but you know, he also may never fight again. So who knows, but all this boils down to, um, you know, th th there was this theory that Showtime had one foot out the door. Um, but in a weird way, this pandemic has bought them time. And I think they could, they have a pathway to finish 2020 in a very strong position if not the strongest position out of everyone in terms of sh what fights they're showing this year. And their biggest advantage is, is, is that boxing is their top sport. They aren't dependent on other major sports. Um, and they likely kept most, if not all, of their 2020 budget, and they're now on this shortened timeline. Uh, so I think they should, if I was them, I would plant the flag. I would get some of PBC's best inventory. The disadvantage is that they had such a disappointing 2019 to the point where they do have some rebuilding to do once live boxing returns. And if you were subscribing just for boxing, you know, the economic uncertainty facing the country, I mean, not everybody's going to want to pay for Showtime, you know, if they had already stopped, um, no matter how good the boxing might be. 
just, just because of the economic uncertainty facing the country. All right, let's go into Fox from here, because obviously what happens on Showtime and Fox is pretty connected. Um, <clears throat> and even before I go straight into Fox, there's a lot of important similarities that Fox and ESPN share, because they're not subscription services. I'll just kind of like get through some of that right now and then not talk about it as much for when I go through ESPN at the end. You know, they sell ads. I mean, it is an important element to both of their financials, and the, and the ad market for TV right now is at best unstable and, you know, it is probably not going to be great. There were no upfronts. Um, there's a lack of knowledge about what's going to happen. And so and basically upfront ad sales were like kind of cut in half. At least that's mostly what was reported. That doesn't mean there's going to be half the revenue for live sporting events, but it does mean that brands are committing a lot less money right now to broadcast TV because of the uncertainty. And there's a general perception out there that when TV ratings goes up, revenue for TV also goes up. And that's not totally accurate because if you're talking to higher level ad sales people, or if you read what they say in interviews, they're very confident that they can move all the inventory out there. But trust me, there's a lot of people nervous behind the scenes and, and I'm sure they would be willing to cut prices given all this uncertainty and they may have to. And especially for properties that are considered like high risk or at risk properties, you know, where you're paying a huge premium, like the NFL, like you're worried right now. Like, you've got to get premium dollars for that inventory. And this is one of the issues facing the Olympics, which is why a lot of people thought it made sense to move the Olympics to next year, just because the next summer, because you're hoping that the economy recovers to the point where you can get all the major brands to sign on at premium prices again. And there's a huge glut of big time events coming down the pike. And they could cannibalize viewers from each other just because they're literally on at the same time. And that might be a really big problem. Like, you know, if the Masters or some other golf or NASCAR race or tennis tournament that is on, you know, one of the big ones is on and competing with NFL games, you know, literally at the same time. Not just the same weekend, but the same time. Or the NBA Finals is competing with them or big time college football games is competing with them. One of the issues you face is even if you've sold the ads at a premium price, the viewership numbers may not hit the guarantees that brands put into their contracts. And that means the brands either won't have to pay in full or will get other inventory added from other big time events and that you then can't sell. You have to guarantee that they get a certain number of viewers and that's just not a good scenario for the networks. And bottom line for ESPN and Fox is they might have sports properties where they're paying a premium for the rights fees and they're just completely screwed because they're almost put in an impossible situation where big time events are competing against each other. And there's just only so many dates and hours in the day out there. And that comes back to this issue that boxing faces both on ESPN and Fox is that it's not the top sport at either network. And so there's some unique pros and cons to that. And, you know, getting back to just Fox, you know, one of the topics is just what happens with Fury Wilder 3. Like, is it going to happen in October, you know, October 3rd? You know, a lot of that feels like it's dependent on whether Las Vegas or Texas, you know, some of these states that, that have fared pretty well in this pandemic so far can have people in the crowd. Um, I kind of went over Fury Wilder 3 a lot last episode. I'm not going to rehash that. Um, but let's just go sort of straight into Fox. Like Fox is a network that's in, increasingly has moved to live events as a strategy and they aren't there yet, but they're probably really thankful for that during the coronavirus. Uh, with regards to other programming, Fox didn't have a pilot season, um, like I mentioned up top. So there isn't going to be any other programming that you can turn to. Like, And that's kind of a unique situation to Fox, like the Calvary income. The, you know, it's just... You're going to have a huge period where the, and it, it's coming six months from now, probably, where you just got nothing. You need live sports. Like the Calvary literally is live sports. It might be a while before you can even shoot pilots of new TV shows. I mean, you can show reruns, but you know, you, you need the live sports. So, in terms of sports, Fox does have PBC boxing, uh, but you know, they're one of the unique differences between Fox and, and, ESPN is, is Fox doesn't program sports 24 hours a day, whereas ESPN does. So, you know, with Fox, it's 
you've got Thursday nights and Sunday afternoon of NFL football. You've got Friday nights of WWE. You do a pretty big college football package on Saturdays. Uh, they do MLB in the summer on Saturday nights. And they do a lot of MLB on FS1. They get the best playoff package. They're, they're the most uh, invested in Major League Baseball of any network. <clears throat> you know, traditionally during the summer, Major League Baseball is good on Saturday nights on Big Fox. Um, it's not always great. They do NASCAR. They do a lot of college basketball. They do some soccer. You know, but if if in terms of ranking the tiers, I mean, NFL is, for any network, is going to be in its own tier. But Major League Baseball is, you know, and college football is probably the next tier down. Major League Baseball probably above that. And, you know, NASCAR and WWE are really important. I mean, boxing is a little bit further down the list. But, you know, you go back and, and here's why that's important. I mean, when you look at the other sports out there, um, you know, again, like some of this stuff applies to ESPN too. I mean, you got to think the NFL is probably going to figure out how to go in some way, shape, or form. I mean, you can count on them at least to push the envelope as far as possible. I mean, they didn't even move their draft date. <laughs> like, that's that's the way they're thinking right now. You know, there are pro sports; so they don't need college students to be on campus. They may face a delay. They may play in empty stadiums, um, but they're probably playing. College ball, you just can't count on it at all. I mean, this applies to ESPN probably a lot more than it does to Fox. But, you know, there is not a fall sport in college sports that you can depend on having, period. I mean, we don't even know if kids are going to be back on college campuses in the fall. I mean, I think there's optimism it can happen. Um, you know, NASCAR and WWE have been interesting cases because WWE is, is literally not missed a beat. Like, they're still happening. And NASCAR has done, like, a really cool sort of interesting version of esports, which is done okay. I mean, at the very least, it's content. But Major League Baseball is a complete wild card. I mean, you know, that's I, I think they're going to try to come back aggressively and early, but they, they sort of are going to be the first real season-long test case for sports. I mean, I think NHL and NBA are are in a position where they might only be doing the playoffs, and they can sort of live in a bubble. And, and people have talked about that. You know, I'm not going to get into that right now, but the Major League Baseball is just such a source of monster ratings, at least in the playoffs, for Fox and for FS1. And even during the regular season, it just eats up so much time that we don't know how, uh, until Fox knows how Major League Baseball is going to be impacted, it's hard for to see them giving out a ton of boxing dates. I mean, if I'm an exec at Fox, like, that's one of my top concerns right now. What is Major League Baseball plan for the season? Is it realistic? Is it even going to be good TV? And if you look at what they're trying to do, I just don't, I, I'm not super confident it will work. Now, maybe I'm wrong on that. You know, I've, I've always kind of thought the individual sports are a lot easier to do. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Major League Baseball can work. I hope it does. Um, and I'm not even a big fan. I basically only watch some of the playoffs. I really don't even watch regular season baseball at all. But like, we people who are are casual fans may not like what sounds like will will be a TV product similar to spring training baseball all year long. <clears throat> but I think the big issue is you need to figure out what's going on there before you figure out what's going on with boxing. You know, I think PBC is going to face a lot of this uncertainty. I think there's a lot of pathways for success and definitely on pay-per-view because I think, you know, and I spoke about this for DAZN, in an environment where we likely won't be seeing bigger fights on Fox or ESPN, at least on, on regular television. Maybe we'll see them on Showtime. I hope Showtime figures that out. Maybe we'll see them on DAZN. DAZN needs to figure that out. But definitely on pay-per-view, you could see Fox strongly encouraging these events, especially, you know, because they don't have if they don't guarantee the purses for the events, pay-per-view actually brings in revenue to Fox because they're a distributor. And as I described above, in an environment where the ad sales teams are facing potential shortfalls and big-time challenges, pay-per-view could be great. It could be awesome. 
So you could see the you know Fox saying, yeah, we'll push paper. You know, if you're gonna if you make a bigger fight, especially if they can have it somewhere in Texas, you know that where you might be able to have crowds, or Florida, or you know Las Vegas, wherever in the fall. You can push that during this glut of huge sporting events that's likely to come. That could be key. PBC boxing is some of the lower rated sports that happen on Fox. So I think they're vulnerable, especially if Major League Baseball does figure out how to stay on the air. Obviously, if Major League Baseball can't figure out how to stay on the air, PBC may get a lot of those Saturday nights during the summer to fill gaps, and I think that's a really big opportunity for PBC. There's no question that FS1, they're going to have some major opportunities. Maybe it's midweek, maybe it's not, maybe it's Saturday, depending on what else is coming back. I think you know, I think that's a great opportunity to thrive, but I think you're going to see a lot of the stuff, you know, you're going to see really it's not just fights with no crowds. I mean, it's going to be cut purses. So you're going to see lower level fights. And look, I think we're going to face that on ESPN too. I mean, you know, the promoters are basically coming out and saying that now. So I think the biggest advantage they have during this period is if the fall is full of big time sporting events, they can promote the pay-per-views. They've always said they wanted to do that. And now it might be more important than ever because they will have a real pathway to putting on some of the bigger fights in the sport and promote them on pay-per-view. And if we don't see a lot of that elsewhere, that's a point of differentiation for them. And I, th- I think they can make it work. You know, the biggest disadvantage to Fox faces is, is like I said, the uncertainty and that boxing is one of the smaller sports. So, and they don't plan on using it early is kind of what you've heard. I mean, you've heard that they're going to have fights on the Fox lot. They can do that. So they can kind of do that studio environment, but They aren't going to be as reliant on boxing as early as ESPN, and I'll get into that in a second. Like, I think it's more of, you know, I look at boxing on, especially Big Fox, not really FS1, it's sort of like a sixth man in the NBA. And the good news with that is if you come in and do really well, you're going to be playing at the end of the game. You might be one of the most important key players uh, for your team. But the bad news is if the starters all play well, you're not going to get your shot. And, and I, I mean, I do think there's just so much uncertainty in this environment that boxing will get a shot on Big Fox. Um, but I still think the pay-per-view is going to be, if they can figure that out, that's going to be their biggest competitive advantage um, in, in terms of how they do it. <clears throat> ESPN. All right. Um, it's going to have some of the same issues as Fox. Boxing is going to be a slightly different source of help for them rather than sort of plug-in gaps that a sport like Major League Baseball may have. I mean, boxing and probably UFC and, and you know other individual sports like golf and tennis, I mean, they, they, for the first two or three months, starting in May and June and July, possibly August, <laughs> I mean, the ESPN might be the individual sports network. It might be UFC golf, boxing, tennis. And remember, ESPN is a traditional cable network. It relies on cable fees and ad sales. And ESPN Plus is a streaming service you pay $5 for. I'm not going to go into the same details as I did above for the other fundamentals, but I think a lot of the same things apply. Like Boxing is not the top sport at ESPN, and it's a few tiers down like it is at Fox. But the key point of differentiation here is that ESPN and ESPN2 are both 24 hours a day just sports programmers. You know, Big Fox relies on sports for weekends and Thursday and Friday nights. But most weekdays, uh, that's not what it is. And the local news actually comes on earlier in most instances. I mean, obviously, FS1 is in a similar boat to ESPN and ESPN2. However, their numbers in terms of viewership, are a lot lower than ESPN, you know, and and somewhere in between ESPN and ESPN2 for, you know, most shows and sports and stuff like that. 
you know, and I'm doing ESPN and Top Rank last for a few reasons. I mean, one of them is they've actually been really public about their plans. Like they've done interviews and, and they've pretty much told you exactly, you know, what I was going to say to expect here. I mean, ESPN is unique. Their ratings are suffering worse than just about anything out there. Their entire strategy, except for the Chicago Bulls doc and the 30 for 30 series, is based on live events or shoulder programming around live events or Sports Center, which is highlights of live events. I mean, they are part of Disney, which is being crushed right now because it's theme parks and movies and TV shows. None, none of that's happening right now. The bottom line is ESPN needs live events as soon as possible. I mean, clearly we've seen them respond to political pressure. They do want to do this in a responsible way. Individual sports, especially combat sports, are clearly the best pathway for getting live sports as quickly as possible. Top Rank has been fairly public about what they're going to do. They hope it's in Las Vegas, but they're going to stu- you know, start shooting studio shows, no crowd, probably sometime in June, probably mid to late June maybe even two or three times a week. And if you're ESPN, like this is exactly what you want. You're essentially running old games right now, and some of them are doing okay, but you aren't getting huge audiences, and you aren't even getting anything that your shoulder programming can talk about. And at this point, you just need something to talk about and fill time during the day and during the evening and not strain your people and have them talk about literally nothing or just cover this depressing virus. And live fights two or three days a week combined with probably a similar offering from USC. I mean, that is a godsend at this point. It does bring up some larger questions that we'll get into in a second, but in the interim, boxing is kind of doing exactly what it was pitched to do. There's no off-season. You want the crowd, but maybe, you know, but except for the bigger fights, it's not totally dependent on the date. It can be flexible. It can be fungible. It can fill gaps. This is a historic gap. Kind of the same, you know, kind of the same thing as Fox, except... If you're ESPN, because you're programming 24 hours a day, you're actually depending on boxing to fill the time right now. Like, you're going with boxing. And if you're ESPN, and you're going through the list of all the things that need to happen for the return to normalcy, it's just brutal. I mean, you need Sunday night baseball, which does really good ratings. The NBA playoffs gives you like a month straight of games pretty much every other night where you have a double header that get great viewership. And the Eastern Conference Finals gets incredible viewership. Monday Night Football is essentially your highest rated show. College football. I mean, I talk about college football for Fox. College football for ESPN, it's like that's not even just a Saturday night thing for them. Like typically in the fall, they're programming it one or two other weeknights in addition to Saturday. And they're getting huge ratings off of it. Like your entire Saturday you know, from really early in the morning to, to basically 10 p.m. or even later, is college football. And when I was going over at Fox, like, it's like how many of these things need to come out okay with a presentable TV product? Like, can you even imagine what that's like for, at ESPN? I mean, they're, they don't have reruns of actual TV shows to put on during the week. You know, there are a few questions that pop up, and honestly, like these can be applied to everyone. Um, you know, first of all, everyone's been upfront about this. Like everyone, including the fighters, is going to be taking pay cuts with no crowds. You know, you do wonder what the quality of these fights are going to be. I mean, I think I think you can still match up really good TV fights um, pretty well, and Top Rank has historically been pretty good at that. Um, <clears throat> But there's going to be lower pay. Certainly fighters who have made a lot of money won't need to jump right back in if they've saved. There's going to be shorter training camps, only a few weeks of sparring. I mean, I think we will see some pretty good TV fights, you know, with veterans, you know, younger fighters who need the paydays, even with the haircuts that they're going to get on the pay. Um, But there's not going to be stars right away. And if there are stars, I don't expect them to be in challenging fights. And, I mean, this is something any individual for, sport faces early on. I said that up top. Like, are athletes going to need a month or two of warm-ups before they're performing at their top level? Like, the answer to that is probably yes. And that goes for anything. When you hope the ratings for this, people are just starving for content. So they're willing to live with not necessarily seeing athletes that are perfectly ready to take a fight. 
you know, some of the other issues is how are they, if ESPN uses all their dates with top rank right now, what's going to happen in the fall when you think most everything is back to normal? Like, are they even going to show boxing? I, I would imagine there's probably a plan for that where, where maybe they have either split up some of their contractual efforts. So it, it, one or two date, you know, two dates may count as one early on, or they've made a side contract for lesser money to make some of these other dates happen early on. Maybe you sort of shift instead of having a, a ton of fights on linear ESPN in the fall, which is kind of what we saw last year. Anyways, you sort of shift them over to ESPN plus, um, where you can still show some regular boxing. You hope all that gets worked out. And I think it can, and, and I think, the, you know, those are some of the issues. And, and then it's like, can you make the big fights? I mean, Aram has been pretty public about this. Like, the smaller pay-per-views, you might just have to go with. And ESPN, like, I don't think if, if Wilder, if Fury Wilder 3 or Wilder Fury 3, whatever you want to call it, if that happens in the fall, it's certainly not going to get the weak buildup that it did from both Fox and ESPN and you know, and especially ESPN because of all their shoulder programming, but FS1 too, it's certainly not going to get that in the fall because there's going to be so many other events. So you, you do wonder about some of that stuff. I think there's ways you can still do these things. And, and, and I think there's, you know, the advantage to that is there's enough other big events on that you can use that time to promote the fight, um, and, and hopefully pay-per-view can still be a success. I think smaller pay-per-views, like I mentioned about for Showtime, um, and what I mentioned for Fox, I, mean, I think though, you know, people may not like to hear this, but I, I you know, I think pay-per-view is going to be the primary way that you're going to see big fights unless Showtime um, or DAZN can put them on their subscription service and, and, and figure out how to do that and, and um, sort of pay quote-unquote normal, like 2019 and 2018 prices for, for bigger fights to happen. Um, that's going to be one of the issues facing ESPN. I mean, in an era where we've seen a ton of boxing and you sort of have to curate it yourself, this is, we're just not sure what we're going to get. Like, maybe we'll get a ton of boxing early on, some of which we like, some of which we don't like. If we want to see stars fight each other that normally that we've kind of gotten conditioned to see on, you know, sort of not paying a, a, a premium price for it, that may change. And the pay-per-view market, like I said last time, may change as well. I mean, I think next episode I'll go through, like I said, what what are some of these sort of permanent changes or, or at least generational changes that we'll see? Um but I think these are the issues. And you got to remember, like, if you're an exec at these places, boxing, like I said, it's a different role for each place. And for a lot of them, it's a godsend. I, I think for every single one of them, it's a godsend that there's no schedule, no set schedule, and that you, you can move it around. I mean, you know, Fox and ESPN especially, are. I think they will be very reliant on it. Um but that's me, and I, I think there's a very optimistic and a very pessimistic case to make for each network right now, uh, which which gets into the uncertainty. It's way too early to predict who's going to come out of this as the top network. I you know I, I don't even think it's worth looking at it like that. I think it's just worth looking at it as like as a network you signed boxing, you signed a deal with a boxing promoter now's the time where you're sort of cashing in a lot of the value from that or whether you're seeing a lot of the value from that. Um, consumers may not like a lot of the stuff that's coming, uh, but I'll get into that next episode. Okay. I don't even know what to tell you guys. Enjoy your next two weeks. I don't even know what this is. I, I don't even know what day it is anymore. Um, but, but that's life at the, at the moment, and, and hopefully we get out of this and we do see live boxing. I can't wait to, to see it. I do want it to happen responsibly, um, and I think we're closer to that than most people realize. I think especially you know, if you've lived in one of the areas that's been really hit hard by this or if you work in medicine, 
you're acutely aware of how dangerous this thing is, but I think there's also, there, there's got to be hope uh, on the horizon for starting to see some of this stuff and getting back to normal. Okay, uh, talk to you guys in two weeks. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh.